The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not contain or constitute and should not be interpreted as any form of medical advice or opinion. You should always seek the advice of your healthcare provider about any questions or concerns that you may have. Welcome back to the Unfiltered Podcast. This is episode 29. In today's episode, Dr. Khadija a licensed psychologist will answer these five questions from our community. 1. After the narcissist has successfully baited me, I feel awful, irritated, angry and many other negative emotions. What is the best way to release these emotions or deal with them? Sometimes it takes me days to calm down after the baiting situation and I hate how it affects me and my day that much. 2. What are some of the things that you should never say or do when trying to support someone in a narcissistic relationship? 3. I have never felt comfortable setting boundaries with anyone in my life. How can I work towards becoming more comfortable protecting myself with boundaries? 4. I have read in many forums and social media that narcissists are attracted to empaths. If we assume that is true, why is that the case? What does a narcissist get out of being in a relationship with a highly empathic person or empath? 5. Why do narcissists have such a fragile ego that they experience narcissistic injury so easily? Hi Khadija, thank you for joining me, joining me today. It's nice to have you in this podcast episode. Hi, Horiana. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. That's nice to hear. So uh, let's get started with these questions. And the question number one is, after the narcissist has successfully baited me, I feel awful, irritated, angry, and many other negative emotions. What is the best way to release these emotions or deal with them? Sometimes it takes me days to calm down after the baiting situation, and I hate how it affects me and my day that much. Yeah, that's a good question. First, I just want to validate your experience, right? Like after being in a situation where um, you feel like you were um, baited in your words and then um, left to feel a lot of different complex emotions, that's completely understandable, right? To feel irritated, angry, distressed, feeling awful, right? So I just want you to just know, like I, I would understand having that experience, especially if there's a reason why you're listening to this podcast. So um, I would say at first, I would just like validate yourself, right? Um, it's and allow yourself to just like talk to yourself like your best friend. I know for me and my clients, right, when I'm, we're talking about validation, which is this idea of understand, um, understanding that your thoughts and feelings make sense, right, and telling yourself that your thoughts and feelings make sense. I'll use an example of like you want your brain to talk to um, itself like it's its own best friend, right? So I would want you to talk to yourself like you are your own best friend. So you can say something like, you know, it's understandable why I feel this way, right? I, I feel um, awful. I feel angry. I feel irritated, right? There's a lot of distressing feelings that might be associated with coming out of an unhealthy relationship dynamic. So 
get your brain to talk to yourself as its best friend. Um, also, if you're noticing that you're engaging in some rumination, right, which is this idea that you're thinking um, quite a bit about a situation to the point where you're experiencing a lot more distress, right? Sometimes people who have challenges with anxiety or depression, right, they might like think about things and it causes them to think, be, feel even more distressed, right? Like, and so what I would do is I would set a period to process your emotions, right? So I'd say, hey, right, I'm gonna give myself you know, an hour, two hours just to really sit with my emotions and process what I'm feeling, right? I like to use the analogy of like a sponge, right? Sometimes when you're, the sponge is wet, right? You kind of want to wring it dry, right? You want to process your emotions, right? Wring it dry. But when you're feeling such complex emotions, it might take some time to really allow yourself to get through all those emotions, right? So I would just set a period of time where you're processing it, right? And giving yourself play a space to do that, whether it's talking to a friend, right? Journaling, crying can be really thought cathartic. Praying too is also something that can be very helpful for processing your emotions. If you're privileged enough, going and talking to your therapist might also be helpful as well, right? But set a time and do things that allow you to process your emotions. And then after that, try to do something that you enjoy, right? Distract yourself from it. Cause you don't want to be sitting in the emotions for days if you can um, help it, right? Whether it's like going out with a friend, going to the gym, go to the movies, right? Something that you enjoy, right? And then you can set yourself, yourself some time to continue to just go through and process those emotions that you're feeling. And if, say they're really intense, they're highly intense and it's really hard for you to kind of sit and process them in the motion, you just, in the moment, you just want to get them down, right? You can do things like putting cold ice water on your face, right? Um, you can work out. That's a very helpful strategy. Progressive muscle relaxation is something that's also helpful. Paced breathing. So there are different strategies that you can definitely use to like get the intensity of your emotions down first. And then I would set yourself set um, a time for you to process them and then try to do something that you enjoy in life and then and, and have continue to do that until you're able to really um, give yourself the ability to process your emotions over a long period of time. Thank, thank you. That was very helpful, how, uh, helpful uh, advice how to deal with such a, you know, difficult and unfortunate situation that you are stuck in a relationship with someone who is baiting you or or this question actually yeah this could be also that you are not anymore in this uh, like relationship with them but they still you are for example haven't gone no contact or are not able to go fully no contact with them and they still you know they are able to pay you so yeah it is Oh yeah, yeah, agreed, right? And give yourself grace too, right? Sometimes with our brains, right, when we go through an unhealthy narcissistic relationship, right, we might engage in euphoric recall. And and so we're thinking about those pleasant experiences that you had with that person, and then you have that person showing it to you in real life, right? And I'm assuming you're using the words baiting as in they're trying to hoover you back, right? So I would give yourself grace and understanding, right? You are a human who has experiences, right? Um, you can write a list of things that person did. So next time you're going through euphoric recall, you can go back to that. But yeah, I think that's another thing I would do as well. Yeah, give yourself grace and understanding um, about the situation you went through.
Mm, mm, exactly. And that's why it's so important that you, if you know that you are dealing with a narcissist or at least very narcissistic person that you educate yourself about narcissism. So then it's like easier to also, I think, deal, deal with all these kind of, you know, negative side effects that, that having these people in your life might cause. Uh, then the second question, what are some of the things that you should never do or say when trying to support someone in a narcissistic relationship? First, I think that's a really great question to ask, right? Like, how can I best support somebody who is um, dealing with or have dealt with a narcissistic relationship, right? So things that you probably would want to avoid saying is maybe like talking about how great that person was to you, right? Sometimes individuals who might have narcissistic tendencies or be narcissist or a narcissist or have um, narcissistic personality disorder, right? They can come off to other individuals as being pretty charming and charismatic um, and just like a good people person, right? But behind closed doors, they might be showing that they might be emotionally, mentally, or physically abusive. So you don't want to go to that person and tell them, well, they're they're great to me. They're awesome to me. I don't know what you know, you're know you talking about, right? That could be a pretty invalidating experience as well, right? So you want to um, also make sure that you know, you Yeah, like you, you, yeah, um, you don't provide advice as like how to fix the relationship, usually in unhealthy or um, toxic or in narcissistic abusive relationships. Sometimes people might say, you know, hey, relationships are challenging, you know, you can get through this, let's figure out how to fix it, right? And usually what kind of keeps people in these relationships is the hope that change can occur, right? And, and for individuals who struggle with um, narcissistic um, personalities, right? It, it is very challenging for them to, to change, even if they're self-aware that they have these challenges. So you don't want to provide advice about like, how can we fix this, right? How can we change this, right? All relationships have challenges, right? There are healthy relationship challenges, like, you know, hey, who's going to cook the dinner? Who should pay what bills, right? Should we go to this restaurant or this restaurant? Or like a vacation, and then there's unhealthy or toxic, really toxic relationship challenges, right? Like this person isn't listening to me when I was crying. They they were um, they were straight faced, right? Like I talked to them and they pretended not to like care or listen, right? So so you want to kind of not try to focus too much on like let's get uh, give you advice to um, solve this, right? Because it it can increase that hope that person has in the relationship, and usually hope is something that keeps someone um, um, tethered in, right? So did you try to fix it? Um, did you tell them how you feel? You want to avoid like trying to solve that that for them. Um, yeah, right. You want to avoid, I know sometimes a narcissism has definitely um, become more um, talked about in culture. So you'd want to avoid language like, oh, everybody's saying that these days that this person's narcissistic, right? You want to, you know, just like if somebody's using that language, there's a reason why, right? There's there's probably some mental, emotional, physical, spiritual abuse that they're they're experiencing that is making them use that language. So you want to just try to um, be understanding, right? So when we talk about things not to do, I think it is also important to talk about things to do as well, right? So you want to kind of like validate them, right? So there's um, there different types of validation and validation, again, just means like 
having that person understand that their thoughts and feelings make sense, right? Like you want to maybe say something like, you know, um, I'm sorry this is happening to you. Like, tell me more about how you feel about this, right? Paying attention and making eye contact with them and just really being present is validating, right? Showing compassion, right? Asking clarifying questions, right? Okay, when did this happen? How did it happen? How did you feel after that happened, right? Just really just being present, listening and asking, asking follow-up questions to really understand that person's experience more. And right, yeah, so that those are some things, like we talked about things not to say, but those are some things to say as well, yeah. Thank you so much, just great points. Um, then the third question. I have never felt comfortable setting boundaries with anyone in my life. How can I work towards becoming more comfortable protecting myself with boundaries? Yeah, that's a really good question. I know like a good portion of people can struggle with um, setting boundaries and, and that's an important thing to set, right? And and boundaries are agreeing to something, like uh, is agreeing to something you don't want, need, or cannot do, right? So if you're having trouble break, um, honoring your boundaries, it means you're probably agreeing to something you don't want to do, you don't need to do, or you cannot do, right? So first you want to like understand why you might be engaging and having challenges with setting boundaries, right? So you might feel ex anxiety about upsetting someone or feeling like you might be letting someone down, right? Um, you might feel guilt about saying no, right? Um, these are different things that kind of keep people from setting boundaries, right? And what, what you have to be careful of is when you're not setting boundaries, you're kind of um, breaking your boundaries that you have with yourself too. So first, just like recognizing what boundaries are and some reasons that might prevent you from um, setting boundaries, right? And then you also want to like sit with the discomfort of, of, of uh, having um, boundaries, right? So you can, start small with um, setting boundaries, right? You could just start with saying like, hey, you know, I'm working to prior prioritize myself more and getting better at acknowledging and setting batteries, uh, battery, batteries, boundaries. Um, I'm getting better at acknowledging and setting boundaries. So I cannot do that, right? And and also if, if you're dealing with a, a healthy individual, they'll, and you're setting a boundary, that's something that most people would respect, right? And if if it's if people don't respect when you set a boundary that should also be just something that you want to be um cautious of so yeah you want to start with reasonable boundaries right if you were talking to your best friend and they were saying hey my um friend wants me to you know pay for her baby shower and host it but i also have to go to my sister's wedding what do i do you know like something where there's a lot of um me that and you can't balance both of them and you know that maybe that friend might be upset or get angry right um you want to like like figure out like what would you say to your best friend you would probably say like hey you know that's a fair boundary to say i want to go to my sister's wedding over this baby shower or some uh someone and so forth right so if you recognize that if you took yourself out of the situation that would be a reasonable boundary i definitely would work to um set that right and then i would make um some um make boundaries i would prioritize 
um, having some time to yourself as well. I think that's something that is really important for people, right? Like at first you can start with that, right? You know what? This day is for me and my self-care and then maybe you can work up to being able to like say no right and then sitting with that discomfort of maybe guilt about saying no or anxiety about upsetting someone and then letting it pass right yeah um just to kind of dig a little a little deeper into it sometimes when people have challenges setting boundaries right it can be right i wouldn't know about this specific person because it, it would have to be you know a therapy session right? It could be a trauma response, right? So sometimes when individuals experience trauma or complex trauma from um, um, complex abuse, right? Um, Whether it's mentally, emotionally, or physically, right? They can develop um, a situation where they engage in flight, fright, um, freeze, or fawn, right? And fawn is really that people-pleasing technique, that tech uh, piece of it, right? let me cater to your needs, right? So I can feel safe in this environment that I'm in, right? So if you may have a history of trauma, I would definitely explore that with a therapist to figure out if that is something that's causing you to have challenges setting boundaries as an adult. Yeah, and then, yeah, just start with like you can over communicating. There's no such thing as over communicating. Hey, I'm working to set more boundaries. I cannot go to the restaurant with you tonight. I'm going to stay home and watch a movie, right? Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. And um, what would you say that what is the benefit of being able to successfully set boundaries so not only just like it's uh, of course it could be that it reduces the anxiety when that comes from you know doing something that you don't really uh, actually want to do but how does it how can it improve also the relationships that you have with other people around you well because at first you're starting to value yourself right because like again a boundaries is agreeing to something you don't want to do you don't need to do or you cannot do right so you when you're breaking your own boundary there you're kind of like saying whether you're consciously or unconsciously aware of it hey i don't really respect myself as much i'm i respect this person more or some way like let me like lose myself to help this person right so you want to um, set, we're setting boundaries because it's important to like, like internally have that, you know, self-love and self-respect for yourself, right? Prioritizing yourself um, to, to some degree, right? And then when you're able to do that, right? Like show yourself value, show yourself respect, right? Internally that can, that creates other people to recognize that this is somebody that I should respect and I should uh, value too, right? And and when you're starting with setting boundaries, they can be reasonable boundaries. And if it's some, if it's a situation where somebody doesn't respect that, a reasonable boundary, that's just something that you would want to, you know, keep, a, keep an eye on, right? That might mean it's even more important to set boundaries with that person if they get upset set as opposed to like really giving in right so yeah it's to just reiterate setting boundaries just helps you kind of grow in your self-love and self-respect and in turn hopefully other people will start to then um grow in that um respect for you and value of you as well okay great that that was uh makes sense <laughs> great uh then the fourth question 
I have read in many forums and social media that narcissists are attracted to empaths. If we, if we assume that is true, why is that the case? What does the narcissist get out of being in a relationship with a highly empathic person slash empath? Okay, so yeah, that's a really good question, right? So um, empaths are usually individuals who are pretty compassionate, right? Attuned to their own emotions. They're able to, you know, connect with themselves internally and other individuals, right? So if you're, and being an empathetic person is a pretty valuable um, trait. Sometimes in our society, we don't value it as much, but like it's a very valuable um, trait to have, right? So sometimes, I, I don't know if I necessarily would say um, narcissists are attracted to empaths. Well, well, they are, but what I would say is that, like, so narcissists, like individuals with narcissistic tendencies, are are pretty much are looking for people to, you know, be in a relationship with, right? So they might have challenges regulating themselves, regulating their emotions, showing empathy themselves or have um, not as much of a sense of self, right? Compared to somebody who's more empathetic, they might be more compassionate and attuned to their um, emotions and the emotions of other people, right? So they might have um, uh, an interest and really being around somebody, um, just people in general, and that can be, you know, attractive to somebody who doesn't have those same qualities, right? Because narcissistic individuals have challenges regulating their emotions, right? So they might want to then regulate your emotions. So I, I would say that, you know, because there sometimes people are, when they're going around the dating world, right, they'll look for someone and that person might not really demonstrate that level of compassion that, you know, and and empathy that they would need or that person would be like, you know what, I don't want to deal with someone who who doesn't have that level of compassion and empathy that I would need to sustain a relationship so they'll walk away while a more empathetic person might be like, you know, hey, I'm listening to this person who's, um, I just met or have known for some while trauma history and trauma story. So when they are engaging in um, hurtful or abusive um, behaviors, you're more, you may be more likely to like show compassion for them in a way where you are then hurting yourself, right? Oh, well, he's yelling at me and he's upset at me because his father was an alcoholic, right? Well, other people might be like, you know what? I'm going to set, you know, a boundary. Hey, you're hurting me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on from this dynamic. So it can create this, like this dynamic where, um, uh, it could be like a, a perfect unhealthy relationship where you have somebody who has challenges with empathy, regulating their emotions and being attuned to other, themselves and other people and having a lack of self-awareness connected with someone who is empathetic, who is attuned to the emotions of themselves and others has a better ability to regulate their emotions meeting together. Right. And then the uh, person with narcissistic tendencies may then um, try to regulate your emotions in the relationship through t- um, different types of mental and um, emotional and, and physical abusive strategy strategies. Thank you. And would you I have heard also that um, like one one reason why like if we assume that narcissists are like attracted to empaths that one reason for that would be that because uh, empaths are like you said they are like very because they are attuned with themselves they're also skilled kind of um, sensing how other people feel and they are like able to uh, 
you know, empathize with them, that, like what empathy is all about. So that if the narcissist, like there's, a, there's many, many um, theories, like how narcissism like originates, but like one, one is that I've heard often is because there wasn't that validation of any kind when they were a child. So I have heard many times that empaths, that the reason why narcissists would be, would like to be around empaths is that because empaths are uh, skilled to kind of validate them. And that's what, what you say, like, uh, like being compassionate with the narcissist. So that's like kind of what they have always lacked of. And that's what they kind of, they are hungry for the validation. Like it's the narcissists are all about external validation and admiration and attention and like, talking about their feelings and getting their feelings feelings validated no matter what so yeah i've heard like sometimes that, that in past they like actually might be very good at doing that like they dismiss their own stuff sometimes and just try to validate and help the other person yeah 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 you're right right you're right Juliana. right um sometimes that that is the case right you're fine some it's a, somebody who's a compassionate person who's attuned to their emotions and the emotions of others so they will you know really listen and validate and at the end of the day everybody's looking to be seen and validated right but some individuals are able to regulate themselves and their own emotions and other individuals can't right so if somebody has um has narcissistic features or is are a narcissist in some regards they will have challenges being able to regulate themselves validate themselves and such so like they will look for external individuals to do that right and then you have the piece of like if you are a truly empathetic well as you are an empathetic person right you may dismiss or excuse some unhealthy strata unhealthy behaviors that that person might um be doing to you which is causing you harm because you're showing them compassion and recognizing their own um history right like a, it's like a deeper level of understanding of them and that could keep people in relationships too right like yeah 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 so what would you say to uh, an empath then like uh kind of because i have heard also a few times that then when a very empathic person they actually feel bad if they either like stepped out away away from the relationship or are trying to do that like what would you advise because then they're like like they feel of course they feel bad about it like they're like abandoning this person with all their problems so what would you say to people who are in these dealing with these narcissistic people and are very empathic first i i, I will say like right like being empathetic and being compassionate it's, it's a very beautiful trait right like i you and you want first just like have grace grace on yourself and just recognize it's a really beautiful trait to have to feel compassionate for someone feel empathy and such but you never want to experience um empathy and compassion to the form where you are then get, being the one who's hurt right you're the one who is having challenges like because if you feel if somebody's feeling sad and now you're feeling so sad that you're having challenges um with your day and such like that it would be but it would be best to start figuring out how can I like um, we'll go back to like going back to boundaries, set boundaries in that way, right, with other people. So being empathetic and compassionate, beautiful, right? But it, you never should be empathetic and compassionate to the point where you then start sacrificing your sense of self and your self worth and self self esteem and self love, right? So 
if if you're recognizing that you know you're feeling bad about leaving a relationship with someone who um may be hurting you right recognizing that you need to kind of turn that empathy inwards right to yourself right and recognize hey this person is hurting me right i need to like put myself first and take care of myself right and you know hey like send them some therapists and like say i have to go but you you never want to um be in a dynamic with someone where you are having to sacrifice yourself and your self-esteem and your self-love to be with someone else right yeah so i would definitely turn that empathy and compassion inwards right right yeah yeah thank you such a great great point uh then the question number five why do narcissists have such a fragile ego that they experience a narcissistic injury so easily Yeah. Um that's a good question. So that would be like like more developmental psychology. It's like asking, you know, um why is somebody introverted versus extroverted or why someone is outgoing and someone's shy, right? Like sometimes individuals when they're just um when they can just have like a more um sensitive temperament, right? So that person can just be a more sensitive person and that is something that you know you take into uh into consideration about how they experience the world right if you work with children and and um toddlers and babies at times what you can tell off the bat their personalities and such so sometimes that can be the case right right a narcissistic individual could just have um be more sensitive and more fragile fragile um just from an earlier age which causes them to react more angrily um and such so that is also something they can also have a trauma background right it's not uncommon for individuals with um narcissistic tendencies to have a, a trauma background which causes them to like not really to to really examine what's going in inward right because it was just too much to really handle and process so that they, they then can create a persona right where they can be more um like grandiose and 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 arrogant and entitled right because there there's there's an insecurity internally and a lack of true sense of self right so they create this this i guess uh image of themselves of how they want to be portrayed right to the point where they have a lack of self awareness of of that them their sense of self as well right so then right if something happens that could crack that sense of self right that they have kind of work to create right then and they have a predisposition to being just more sensitive that can cause like a narcissistic injury right so say if somebody really works hard to like uh become a, a like a business owner and have like 30 employees under them and such like that and you tell the and to kind of feel this inter like they don't have this internal sense of like self right so they look for external validation right and then you say hey i don't like your business as much right that could really hurt them because you're you're hurting them their 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 image right they've created this this idea of themselves right so yeah so usually you know individuals they just can have more narcissistic um not narcissistic more fragile egos just as uh just because you know hey temperament during childhood experiencing trauma at an early age where they weren't able to really process it so then they develop 
a, uh, a, a persona that can be easily broken, right? And yeah, those are just things that you kind of want to consider. But I think what's also important is that you want to make sure that if if somebody that you're suspecting that somebody have narcissistic tendencies, that uh, if they are getting angry and sensitive and projecting and invalidating and gaslighting you and such like that, try not to take it personally, because that's usually something that tends to happen to people then um, take it personally, feel really um, insecure about themselves, feel like they, not as they don't value themselves as much. And that can also keep someone in a narcissistic abusive relationship too, right? Yeah. Thank you. And you mentioned a few times the narcissist, like total lack of sense of self. And that's why they have this public image, public persona that they have created for themselves. What are your thoughts about if someone has kind of uh, developed lack of sense of self or actually that there is no like core sense of self development being there at all? Is it possible for, let's say, self-aware narcissist to then develop later on their sense of self? Ooh, um, so that's a, that's a topic. So when you're kind of growing up, right, your brain is forming all these connections and you're developing your, your personality is more or less genetic, but can be environmental at the same time. Um, so as you kind of get older, you get you become a little bit more set in who you are um, as neuroplasticity becomes less and less uh, a thing that occurs and neuroplasticity is just literally your your brain making connections and growing neurons and such like that um so later on growing a sense of self um internally right that you might need like an intervention right they they, they and i say that with caution because i don't want to give anybody hope that hey maybe a sense of self will come up and then our relationship would be great right first it would take a level of self-awareness that there's something going on right and that is also not there as well um, with individuals with narcissistic tendencies so and so it's it, it can be really challenging for them to then develop you know a sense of self that's outside of these external um situations that they kind of uh have grown to have right because their sense of self has become like you know hey i went to these top schools i have this much money i'm dating this beautiful person right like i i'm i have power authority and such like that people admire me in some way or some way and so forth but um so yeah, so it can it happen um, if that person has a level of self-awareness that there's something going on. But I, I would not, I, I say this, I would not put hope in somebody um, developing a sense of self later on, yeah. Yeah, it does sound like very challenge, challenging task. Like it's kind of, if you have built your sense of self for many years out of, external stuff and then all of a sudden kind of somehow become self-aware and then you are like well like kind of what do you what do you work with you kind of work with emptiness like it's it seems like very very difficult and kind of frightening as well like how how does that feel that you someone is working with uh, you know where to start because all that they can see that they could start are kind of negative things they are either like abusive behavior patterns or like very narcissistic ways of thinking and using people or uh, you know so i 
it's definitely that's very good thing that you said that don't put any hope on that because it's it's even with the self-awareness i could imagine it takes a long time first of all and it's can it's really challenging i can think i i bet it's 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 pretty much like for example take a personality trait about yourself right say you are an outgoing person right you like to be around people you like to see people and then someone says you know what i no longer want you to be outgoing i want you to be shy right you can have a level of self-awareness that you're super outgoing right you can act shy for some a, a period of time but it would be really hard for you to to continue to act shy or be shy for a long period of time right and then your sense of self starts to really crumble because you're like hey this is not me i'm acting this way but this isn't what i've developed myself to be right i'm an outgoing person i'm not a shy person say the same think of the same thing with like a person with narcissistic tendencies right they develop a sense of self um using external um situations including you right as a form of validation and now you're asking that person to be not them right that's that's really hard yeah yeah i think that that comparison that you just made it, it's it really clarifies a lot and yeah like i i was in a podcast episode with one professional and uh she said some something like a little bit similar that yes you can like the narcissist uh like she treats uh, individuals also she also treats individuals with narcissistic traits and she has she said that they always talk about damage control with the clients so not like like healing from it completely but like kind of controlling the tendencies that they have developed because she believes that yeah you can change your behavior you can learn new you know ways of behaving but like you said you can behave shy but you still might be the outgoing and likely you still are the outgoing person so it's same with probably narcissists that they might have this sense of entitlement they can learn to not act on like not act like a very entitled person and they can have the self-awareness to understand okay if i i am like my sense of entitled entitlement is hurting me and others around me so i shouldn't do that but they still might every time like it's kind of it's kind of there still so yeah it's a pretty sad situation also because they well yeah, I don't know. Do you, what do you, because there are so many people have many different opinion, opinions, like how narcissism uh, has developed. So what do you think why it has, why someone has narcissism? I think that that's a good question. Definitely loaded, right? It could be for so many different reasons. Um, I think some theories is right. Sometimes individuals when, um, um, they've gone through a trauma experience. And I'm not saying everybody with a trauma experience will develop this, right? There's two things that can happen, right? You can become like, you know, just more of a feeler and such like that in a way, and just be more tuned to emotions. Or you can also just, you know, hey, I'm, I have, I don't have the ability to, I'm going through too much as a child. And I don't, I have not been given the skills to um, under, um, identify them, right? Describe them and understand them and process them. So I'm just not going to acknowledge them. And I'm going to build up my sense of self through other things, right? Through my accomplishments, right? Through friendships, through engaging in um, risky behaviors, right? As a team, right? So 
I think that could be a potential. It could be, you know, just genetic, right? That's also a component. It could be a mixture of both, right? It could be, yeah, just like, you know, also we do have a society that also kind of like, um, I'll say cultivate, like cultivates in a way or, or narcissism, right? Like people who, people who are successful are people who put themselves first and try their hardest to be successful, right? At certain things. And sometimes our society can breed individuals to be more considerate and thoughtful of themselves and not the others that, that are um, impacted by the behaviors, right? To kind of get ahead. Yeah. Especially, yeah. And capitalistic, more, more capitalistic societies like the United States. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. And one more follow-up question. You mentioned that like it could be genetic. Do you believe that let's say someone has like nurturing mm, environment, like um, emotionally aware and consistent primary caregivers, but like they are genetically like uh, their genetics are very like narcissistic. Do you think someone just because of their genetics can can they just because of that genetic component become a narcissist? Yeah, that, that's another loaded question that I would have to like go into the research and <laughs> yeah. really look into to see. But I would, if I was answering, I would probably say just like you know any um, mental health concern, right? You can grow up in a very nurturing environment and still have a mental health concern right or you can grow up in a, a really turbulent and traumatic environment and be more resilient and not have um, a mental health concern or, or diagnoses right because now we're kind of getting into the etiology of of, um, of mental health challenges and etiology is just like a fancy word for saying the causes like what causes people to have depression or anxiety or narcissistic personality disorder it's usually like that we don't know like right we don't there, i don't think there's a, a g for narcissism <laughs> just yet that's been discovered maybe there are maybe there are multiple i'd have to go into the research and look at that more but right because so, even if it's like a genetic component to it right like say your father has narcissistic features and then that that son becomes more narcissistic right it could be he was raised with a narcissistic father and then he tended to have more narcissistic features right it or could be they had a very nurturing compassionate parents and they just had a, a more narcissistic child right so yeah yeah that that's hard to answer but like i think i would err on the side of like just genes and the environment just playing on each other that creates individuals to have the personalities um they have right yeah okay great yeah uh it remains to be seen if we ever get like really exact answers to these complex things <laughs> yeah i have to love going to the research to see is there a gene for narcissism i don't that's in my knowledge so. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah great so uh today we had some great questions and great answers uh and thank you for listening to this podcast and thank you khadija so much for answering all these questions today yeah, yeah it was a pleasure yeah.